We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to RotoWire's signature NHL Hockey Pod podcast with Statsman and AJ. Friends, I'm Paul Brunel in Toronto, Ontario, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My co-host is AJ Scholes, who's a great follow at AJ Scholes24, based in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin, near RotoWire headquarters over in Madison. I'm sad to say that there's snow in the forecast here locally and i wonder <laughs> if aj's got the same forecast out there but i'm thinking it'll be overnight and it'll be gone before i wake up in the morning i hope that's the plan but uh, last night we saw a major achievement in the hockey world patrick marlowe is now the all-time leader in games played overtaking the legendary gordy howe i saw gordy play when i was a kid and i can tell you it felt like there was an aura around this guy uh, on the ice he was that special uh, a big man for his era, skilled, could shoot right or left, which you don't see uh, anymore, or maybe never before or after Gordy. Uh, I actually got to meet him a number of years ago at a Hall of Fame induction ceremony and actually got a drink with him there, too. What a class act he was. Uh, nicknamed Mr. Hockey. Seeing his name bumped down in another category leaves me a bit sad because he was passed by Gretzky in the goals and assists, and now the game's played goes to Patrick Marlowe. But on the other hand, Patrick Marlowe stopped uh, by Toronto for a two-year stint uh, right at the beginning of the careers for Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner, and they did a really neat tribute to him last night with a a naked cameo by Joe Thornton. I don't know if you've seen this, AJ, but it was kind of funny. And uh, anyway, Patrick 
Patrick Marlowe, very honest player, and uh, to suit up for as many games as he has is really something, particularly with the grind of all the traveling and the clusters of games, three and four nights, four and five, and all that sort of thing. And he hasn't missed one for about the last 10 years, it seems, uh, by my quick calculation, and uh, still going strong. But uh, I do think that we're seeing the end of the line for Patrick. But uh, I don't think this is a cheap achievement, AJ, and I wonder what your sense is of it. I I know he had an impact on the young Leafs here, so I'll be grateful for that, and I'm sure they are too. But uh, what is your sense, never having seen Gordy Howe, just maybe hearing a bit about the legend and seeing that record go by the boards? Yeah, I mean, for me, uh, you know, Gordy Howe's last year uh, in the NHL was 1980, so that was, you know, a full seven years before uh, I was even born. So, uh, any you know any instance of his play has been you know old highlights um, you know black black and white video from time to time you know um, so so obviously I, I don't know a ton other than you know just the historical aspect of it um, you know for me Patrick Marlowe is a player that that I've uh, seen for my you know my entire life uh, coming into the league in '97 so um, for me to see him do that it is definitely a, you know a uh, an achievement uh, in its own right, and as you said, you know the the longevity there hasn't missed a game since 2009, which is pretty impressive, uh, all things considered. As you said, with with travel and you know being on the West Coast for most of that, those guys yeah. have some of the hardest travel uh, during during normal NHL seasons, and so um, certainly it's it's a credit to him. And look, the other the other thing is. Um, you know, I, I'm a soccer fan, uh, and there's been a whole hub of blue. I'm sure that people have heard about with, yeah. with this, uh, super league and it, it's all just a money grab, you know, and, and sure. Patrick Marlowe has been well compensated for his years in the league. You know, according to cap friendly, they, their estimated career earnings for Patrick Marlowe is, is like 96, $96 million. Like he, he's not hurting for money, but you don't play in that many games without a passion for the game and everything else that goes into just being prepared to be on the ice, right? It's not just suiting up for the games. You know, there've been retired players across all the sports that said, well, if it was just, you know, dressing for games and playing for games, I I could still do that. But it's the other stuff. It's the training regimen during the season, in the off season. So to power through all of that for as long as he had, um, you know, really says a lot about about him as a person and and where um, he's taken the game is is really incredible. So uh, it was fun to see. I you know I may I don't watch a lot of uh, you know Pacific Division games these days. They're they're all on later. Um, so uh, I did take the time to to throw that one on today and, and catch uh, the start of that game just because it was such a you know momentous moment. Uh, in his career and in, in hockey in general. And the guy even had pit stops in both of our favorite hockey cities, uh, as you know. So you got to see him up close just like I did a little bit. And uh, he is totally a class act and uh, maybe a finer gentleman you can't find around the league. So good for him that he's in the record books for that great achievement. A tribute, a tip of the hat from both of us in this corner to Pat Marlowe. Yeah. All right, Paul, Pat- wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't be where he was if it weren't for those eight games he played for the Penguins. That's <laughs> sure. <laughs> they put him over the top. That's right. 
All right. Well, now we're ready to roll into our usual activity, which is looking at the 31 teams. We took a departure from that last week and looking at the trade deadline deals, but we're back at it looking at the 31 clubs and their most recent roster moves and, and the scoring achievements, who's hot and who's not. So I'll begin this week with a look at Anaheim. They still reside in the cellar in the Western Division, went 2-2 two and two last week. Young Alexander Volkov chipping in with some offense, though, and that's uh, a great find if he can continue this, AJ. Three goals and one helper there. Max Comtois is a guy who's emerged this season, actually, as a decent scorer. In fact, he's the lone 10-plus goal-scoring winger that they have on the roster this season. So good to see some youngsters coming through with a little bit of offense because this has been a starved organization for goal-scoring for a few years now. On the back end, Josh Manson carrying the mail amid a, uh, an injury list that, that bogs down a couple of other options back there. He picked up three helpers, and uh, but there's other news in the infirmary. It always seems like there is, actually. Uh, Lindholm, uh, his wrist injury is not improving. They were hoping that this defenseman would come back at some point, but now it looks like he's done for the year, and that means that uh, the offensive load is going to be limited to the usual suspects on the back end. Uh, Cam Fowler is probably my go-to guy, but Jamie Drysdale is looking pretty good in his uh, first turn around the league, and maybe there is some hope for the future there, even on the back end. And of course, the Purple Heart has to go to the goalie, John Gibson, who just continues to perform very admirably in the nets, but uh, uh, this is going to be a non-playoff, another non-playoff year for him, and that's got to be very disappointing, AJ. On the other hand, one thing to look forward to is how they deal with their LTIR situation. Kessler and Lindholm's deals are still on the books uh, for $12-plus million. I know Lindholm's probably going to come back next year, but the Kessler deal for $6-plus million, I wonder if they'll deal that to get some flexibility, uh, at, the, at least in the owner's pockets, uh, they, they probably don't like dropping the $6 million on a guy uh, who doesn't even play. I mean, it's covered by insurance and all the rest of that, but still an obligation for the club, and uh, I, I think they might like to shed it and uh, clean up their books a little bit. So uh, what do you think about that prospect going forward? Yeah, it's certainly an option um, for them to do. And, and to your point, though, it really comes down to you know real dollars in that sense because of you know the LTIR relief. They're not, they're not a team that... Um, is I don't think even next year is really going to be pushing for, for playoff hockey. Um, <clears throat> they have some up-and-comers, but all these guys need contracts, Li- literally everybody. Uh, Volkov, who you mentioned, Comtois, Sam Steele, Max Jones, Isaac Ludstrom, they're all going to be RFAs this year, so they're going to need to shell out um, some significant cash uh, across the board there uh, you, you know, to a number of guys. Um, so it's it's certainly an option for them, I, I think, uh, to consider offloading that. But at the end of the day, you know, it's it's LTIR relief. Do you really want to give up a prospect to have somebody else take on that contract for a year? I I, I don't know. Uh, one team that has historically taken on a lot of those contracts is the Arizona Coyotes, uh, who had a a one and two week last week. The news for them is they've got. Uh, Darcy Kemper back in action, and he's been the the best of a bad situation. Uh, you look at their last you know their last couple of games. He's one and one with a .867 save percentage, and that's the highest save percentage of anybody on the team. Uh, the youngster Ivan Protsarov uh, .842 in in one appearance. Antti Ranta, the worst of the bunch at .773 in his lone appearance. So. Uh, you know, the, the problems continue to be on the back end, having Ranta, or uh, rather, 
Kemper healthy uh, is what they're going to need to try and stave off St. Louis. But the Blues are only a point back with three games in hand. I mean, honestly, you could conceivably put San Jose in the mix for that spot as well. I know we've kind of dumped on their season for much of the year, and, and rightfully so, but they're just four points back of Arizona with one game in hand. So there's no real like room for slipping up for Arizona and they're going to need some offensive contributions and they haven't gotten much in the, in that sense from the guys you would like to see. Um, Goligoski, one goal and two assists. Michael Bunting with two goals is not exactly the guy you expect to be leading the way for you. Um, you know, you want bigger numbers from Clayton Keller, Phil Kessel, Christian Fisher, uh, Oliver Ekman Larson has two assists in their last four games. So, uh, they're going to need some offense to help bail those goalies out a little bit, I think. Yeah, and you mentioned Goligoski. At least he has rediscovered his offensive game. We've talked about him chipping in regularly in the last three weeks now, and that's a great sign for them because partnered with Oliver, Oliver Ekman Larson, that gives them two legit offensive weapons from the back end, and that's uh, more than most teams can boast. So that's at least something that they got going for them. Phil Kessel's had a nice year, but I'm like you. I wanted to see more of a, a next step for Keller and Garland. They've kind of not gone as far as I think they could. And, of course, they still have Derek Brassard, who is one of the more enigmatic players in the league for me. The guy's got a lot of skill. He's like Jonathan Drouin in Montreal. You see the skill set that these guys have, but it just doesn't translate into consistent offense, and that's why you see him way down on the depth chart. Uh, a turnaround for him would be a turnaround for this team's fortunes. But at least they got something going on, on the back end. So uh, building blocks is what you're looking for at this stage, and they do have a couple there. Uh, up next, we look at the Boston Bruins. They've got a lot of building blocks that have been in place for a while, AJ, and they went 4-0 and last week despite a troubling situation in net uh, that got a little bit of stability. Of course, the usual suspects up front on the perfection line delivered the goods, but uh, the second line is what I want to highlight. Uh, we knew that David Krejci was a very good puck distributor, but he chipped in with three goals and two assists last week. He's been buoyed by the fact that now he's got a real weapon on his wing in Taylor Hall. And Hall, in his four games played in Boston, looks very comfortable, AJ. He's got two goals and an assist. The goals already equal what he picked up in Buffalo year to date. So he's got 11 shots on goal, a decent shots on goal rate. I think it can go even higher. But I love the partnership that he's formed with Krejci, and that gives Bruins a very legitimate look on the second line that they've been craving all season long. Uh, the goaltending situation has been a revelation here with Jeremy Swayman coming to the fore, in the, and he picked up four wins in his five starts so far, AJ, and uh, spelling Tuka Rask and Yaroslav Halak. Halak is in the COVID protocol, but uh, at least they can say that uh, Tuka Rask got back in the fold last week and looked really good. He picked up wins in both starts, allowing a total of four goals against and turning aside 52 of 56 shots that he faced. Another great addition that they made at the trade deadline, this is one that went under the radar for most, but I really liked it, and that's the pickup of Mike Riley off to a really great start offensively. That's not his game in Ottawa uh, this season. He was really a stalwart who ate up a lot of minutes, but he has helped a depleted defense by picking up a, a couple of assists and also registering a plus two as he has fit in like a glove on the back end of the Bruins' blue line. Well, yeah, and they're, they're finally going to get some good news on that blue line here in the coming days. It, it looks like Matt Krizelczyk is, uh, you know, possible to, to return to tonight. Uh, Yaroslav Halak is traveling with the team, so that's certainly good news. And same with Kevin Miller. He's also traveling uh, with the team. 
Uh, and then Jacob Zaboro, uh, he'll be back as well potentially tonight. So really, uh, you know, the, the two things, they kind of uh, rode out the storm with the banged up blue line and, and uh, you know, goaltending situation. And, and to your point, Swayman was, was really key to that and, and definitely did himself uh, some serious favors in terms of his NHL outlook. Um, with that that stint there the buffalo sabers went two one and one for uh, you know a pretty good week for them uh they're also dealing with netminder absences so dustin tokarski played in four games for them picked up nine wins while giving up or two wins rather while giving up nine goals uh sam reinhardt getting some production three goals one assist casey middlestab really uh finally the last like month or so has showed up in in a way that i think buffalo fans have been expecting for a while here um, you know, that maybe those couple stints in the minors, um, you know, did, did them some good. Uh, Dylan Cousins for assists, certainly a good outing for them. Look, Buffalo has the last, like, uh, couple of games here. They've, they've showed up in, in a way that uh, has been a bit surprising compared to, you know, most of the season. Uh, they, they got the win at Washington, 5-2. They beat the Penguins uh, on Saturday in the second game of a back-to-back 4-2 uh, so they're, they're going to be a factor here down the stretch in, in terms of, uh, you know, the standings for the East, if only as a, as a spoiler. Certainly they're not going to make the playoffs, but they'll, they'll be a factor in determining who finishes uh, at the top of this East division because they, they're a team right now under the new coaching regime uh, that, it, that is simply not going to go away. Don Granado has really figured out a way to bring something out of these savers that we did not see for, for the early part of the year. Yeah, the the opportunity they have now is to see what the youngsters can bring to the table. And you look at the scoring from the last week, and it really gives you a sense of hope for Buffalo. Uh, Dylan Cousins, a star in Canada's World Juniors, picked up four assists last week. Uh, Olafson continues a decent season with a goal and two helpers. All he needs is a healthy Jack Eichel to continue that trend, and you'll see that next year. All things go well with his upcoming surgery there. Uh, Rasmus Dahlin has had a, a, a kind of a, a year stuck in neutral, but that's a, more of a, a aspect to do with the surroundings that he's in and a desperate situation in Buffalo. I'm looking at a guy like Ra- Ristolainen on the blue line. Rasmus Ristolainen, big, rangy guy in the last year of a contract coming up next year. Uh, I wonder if a team will take a look at him and, and try and get him on the cheap. He does have a significant cap hit of about 5 plus. But uh, he could run a power play for you and bolster a defense. If, if you have some cap space to take him on, you could get him on the cheap and maybe have Buffalo take on a bit of his contract too. So I wonder if that's a situation that will unfold in the offseason. I'll keep an eye on that for sure. And Carolina, this is a team that is in, rolling along in first place in a very competitive divi- division race in the central division between the top three teams. Svechnikov with a couple of goals and assists. Trocek, fine year, continues a goal and two helpers. Uh, good news, uh, possibly, in the offing with Toivo Teravainen. He's played only one game since mid-February and is traveling with the team on the current road trip, so there is hope that he rejoins the lineup soon, and that would be a tremendous boost for a team that is in the thick of the hunt here in this division. Brady Shea is a guy who has not uh, been swept up in the tide, though, this season. A very poor offensive season for a guy who has shown uh, good puck-moving skills and been involved in offenses to the point where he has averaged 25 to 30 points per season in his career. He's only got seven this year in 43 games. So uh, you wonder if if, uh, he snaps to attention, maybe that could be another fine, just like the reinsertion of Teravina. That could be a couple of boons for 
more success for Carolina in the offing. But uh, another guy to highlight is Martin Netscash continues to be a very good DFS play. Uh, he's priced low, uh, despite the fact that he continues to roll along offensively. Five points in his last five games played on Vinny Trocek's wing. They've solved their second-line woes with this dynamic duo supporting the big line up front. Well, anybody that was wondering why Florida was so aggressive at the, the trade deadline has to look no further than what you just team that's first in the central right now and that's been without two Voteravainen uh for much of the you know last two months uh you get him back in the lineup you've got Tampa Bay casually just sitting there in third place waiting for uh you know Kucherov to come back for the playoffs there's it's no surprise to me that Florida had to be a little more aggressive here uh, at the deadline just because the the additions that these teams are going to get heading into the postseason just by getting their own guys back so uh yeah carolina becomes that much more dangerous for a team that's already in first place there uh the 15th a fifth place team in a battle for a playoff spot is the calgary flames who went two and one last week on the back of jacob markstrom uh three starts two wins five goals allowed for him i think the you know the interesting thing to watch about this club is the offense it it's uh, hit or miss it seems for them uh, some weeks you know the, we're talking about the top guys are, are thriving and, and that was this last week Elias Lindholm five points in his last four games Mark Giordano four points in his four Gaudreau four and four Michael Backlund three points in his last four um, other weeks you know we're talking about how Milan Lucic is leading the way in terms of offense which is never a recipe for success so uh, that's going to be the linchpin here. Markstrom's a, a decent goalie. He can, uh, you know, get wins uh, when they need him. I don't think he's a guy that's going to come in and, like, completely stand on his head and steal you a game. Uh, more often than not, maybe once in a while he will. But overall, I don't think that's really his game. It's it's more just keeping you close and, and hoping that the offense is there. So uh, if they're going to track down Montreal, which isn't going to be easy when you consider the fact that uh, the Habs still have two games in hand on Calgary and a six-point lead, uh, but they're not out of it yet. I, I think uh, they could try and make it competitive here down the stretch, uh, and we'll see. But otherwise, uh, you know, they, they have no margin for error at all. Yeah, the two teams that you're talking about there, they have three games coming up that will t- kind of tell the tale there. If Montreal can grab even one of them, that could shut uh, the Flames out. And really, it's, it's the Flames scoring that has really let them down. Uh, Tachuk has been a real disappointment. He's gotten goalless in his last eight games with only a couple of assists at a time when they desperately need him. On the other hand, Mark Giordano has had a great second half and has really been piling up the points, a solid DFS value play at the moment. In Chicago, they're fifth in the Central Division, trying to stay relevant with, after a 2 and one week. And it's the veteran guys that have led the way, again, most recently, Duncan Keith, is the only veteran on the back end who's doing much of anything, picked up a couple of goals, and Patrick Kane continues to do Patrick Kane things. He's among the top scorers in the league and added to that with a four-point week last week. He's actually formed a very nice partnership with Alex Dabrinkat, who has three points, he had three points last week, but it looks like we're, we're showing that they're going to be split up on the two scoring lines going forward, and that's an interesting thing for me. I wonder if you have any thoughts about that, but I guess they're just trying to spread the offense and light a fire under some other players. Vinny Inostrosa, a recent addition, 
uh, returning to for the second time in Chicago, had a three-point game uh, recently and uh, lines up as a third-line uh, right winger. He's normally been in the center on the depth chart, so keep an eye on where he's located. He's a very good puck mover, and they have some young guys who know how to put the puck in the net, so I'm kind of keep, keeping an eye on those partnerships going forward. One of those potential guys, the youngsters that can benefit, is Kirby Doc. He now has five points in nine games, along with a plus-five rating since he returned to the active lineup, and uh, that just shows you how much they missed with him being out they would not be in the fifth place if he was healthy all year long they'd be solidly in a playoff spot in my opinion his right winger at the moment actually is a guy that I also want to focus on that's Dylan Strom he had three goals and one assist in the same period and normally a center but his production has dropped significantly in the last couple of seasons getting a bit of a bump now and I'm curious to see if he lines up continue, continues to line up on the wing. I guess with Doc in, in tow and P.S. Sutter continuing to have a fine year, there's really no room on a scoring line center role for him right now. Well, I think a lot of the shuffling comes down to, you know, getting Adam Gaudet into the lineup and, and where they want to use him. Uh, you know, they, he played his first game for the club last night, picked up an assist, he logged just seven and a half minutes of, of ice time. I think that has more to do with, you know, kind of the, the games off. You're talking about a guy with the, the COVID situation in, in Vancouver before he joined Chicago at the deadline. He hasn't played since March 24th. So that's almost a full month off for Adam Gaudet. And so obviously the ice time is going to be a little bit low here at the onset, but he picks up that helper. Uh, and so I think that's a lot of why you're seeing those lines kind of shuffle around and trying to figure out how best to fit uh, Gaudet in the lineup. And I think a, a top six role, even if you have to move him to the wing, I, I do like him as a center. Um, but if you're going to move him to the wing to get him in the top set, six, I, I really like that move. I'll admit, I'm for whatever reason, I, I have no like ties to him. He's not from Wisconsin or anything <laughs> like that. I just I really like Adam Gaudet in his game and am and, and excited to see what he can do in, in a new situation here. In Columbus, uh, it continues to just go from bad to worse there. They went 0-2-1 last week. Uh, yes, Patrick Laine picked up a pair of goals, but now you've got Max Dome, uh, the latest in the, the doghouse. He uh, scratched from the lineup. Um, you know, the, the thing that they talk about is, uh, against Chicago on April 12th, took 14 minutes in penalties, and you know, including a pretty pretty dumb one there. Did the same thing against Dallas um, in in another game, another 14 minutes worth of worth of penalties, and and that enough was enough for John Tortorella, and so he sat um, last night as a healthy scratch. You know, I have to imagine that won't carry over into more than one game. Um, you know, trying to send a message, but you have to wonder, are these guys even listening to torts at this point? You know, the, uh, we obviously don't know the behind the scenes situation with, but with how bad Columbus has been this year, I wouldn't be surprised to hear that they wanted to go in a different direction in, in the coaching, uh, you know, coaching department there. And so if they are feeling that, that torts is on his way out, I don't know that benching him, you know, a guy like Dome is really going to do any good, if they think it's it's a lame duck, so I again I don't have any inside information on on the Blue Jackets behind the scenes situations, but you at least have to wonder uh, if he's lost the locker room if if they don't have faith that he's going to be back next year. AJ, I think you hit the nail on the head there. I I have no doubt that uh, Tortorella will be uh, is playing out the string now in Columbus, and they have to look at the the off ice stuff that really has been a big distraction to what the team is trying to do. 
and and they're not getting the best out of out of players like Line and Domi and uh, the fact that he's, they're butting heads with the coach not looking good. It's not a good look for the team. It's not a good look for the coach here. And uh, you got to connect the dots. They all come back to Tortorella, and that's that's never going to be a good outcome. The insane are running the asylum in Columbus, sadly. Columbus uh, is a different story from Colorado, though. In Colorado, they're number one in the Western Division. They went two and zero last weekend. Miko Rantanen continues to have an outstanding se- season: three goals and one assist. That's uh, three goals brings them up to twenty six. That's more goals than anybody in the league not named Austin Matthews. Matthews and uh, He's got a chance to really threaten Matthews on that first line because they score a ton of goals in Colorado. So that race, I don't think, is done yet, despite the fact he trails the leaf center by seven. Brendan Saad chipped in with two goals. Kale McCarr has become relevant again in DFS and with his regular production offensively. Another three assists there. And Nate McKinnon with three points on the week as well. But they were have to be heartened most by the fact that Devin Dubnik won his first start here with a 31-save effort in a 4-3 win over St. Louis. That was a key win in, uh, in uh, the race here to keep St. Louis at bay and keep Colorado at the top of the heap. So they trusted this veteran goalie, and he delivered the first uh, dividend uh, since arriving in town, Nazem Kadri is a bit of, in a bit of a flat spot with no points in his last five games played. He's held down the second line center role all season long. They have Carl, Carl Soderberg debuting on right wing on the second line here. If uh, Kadri continues to struggle, Soderberg is a candidate to replace him. I don't foresee that yet, but it's something to keep in the back of your minds. Donskoy is out with an illness, and that's probably why Soderberg slots in as a second-line player. He'll normally drop down to third if they're full strength and Kadri's going. So uh, another factor here, though, is Tyson Yost. What do you do with a guy like him? No no goals in his last nine games played and really struggling offensively, offensively all year, but at least he can point to a four-game assist streak of late. Well, I think it's important to note, you know, this team uh, has had a, a number of games off um, due to due – to- we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed a bit of a COVID outbreak there. Um, they're expecting to have Philip Grubauer out for for a total of two weeks as a result. Um, and, and Jonas Donskoy is is also there. But all signs point to them being able to play on Thursday. That was the original or the most recent projection for them to return. They're down to just two players uh, on the COVID protocol list as of as of yesterday. So. Uh, signs pointing in the right direction. Look, this team could not have benefited more um, from their moves at the deadline. They brought in Jonas Johansson, and I said, this is crazy. You know, I I wasn't a big fan of of the addition. He did okay, not great. And then they get Devin Dubnik, 
which made me even question the Jonas Johansson addition even more now that they added Dubnik, but then you lose Grubauer for two weeks because of COVID. Well, it's, it's looking like a pair of good moves. Now Devin Dubnik can be the starter for, for a couple of games here while they wait for Grubauer. Johansson can sit, you know, fill in as a backup. And, and so they, they definitely, um, you know, got, uh, got some, some benefit from those moves in, in terms of, uh, uh, you know the the situation they found themselves in, but I, I expect this team to continue to fight right there with Vegas uh, the rest of the way for for the number one spot. Another team fighting for a playoff spot is the Dallas Stars, two zero and one this past week. Look, they're still six in the Central, but we talked about this you know throughout the 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 year. They lost so many games at the early part of the season to. Uh, other team COVID issues, and then they also had the cancellations due to weather and, and power-related uh, concerns down in Dallas that we knew this could happen. They had just so many games in hand um, that they they could really ha- make a late surge here. They are three points back on Nashville with three games in hand on them. Uh, they're ahead of Chicago as well for that last spot with two games in hand over the Hawks. And so um, th- this is a dangerous team right now that – that is, you know, kind of playing a bit of catch up, but I really think uh, they they are going to be nipping at the Predators' heels the the whole rest of the way here, and could still make themselves a, a playoff team. Yeah, and sadly they're going to have to do it obviously without the likes of Sagan and Radulov, who would be two thirds of any team's top six, and and so really they're going at this race with one hand tied behind their back. But you highlighted the fact that their scorers are producing right now, and and that gives it gives hope. If you got a, if you got an offense that's clicking, you got a chance. And so, uh, what do they say in the movies? You say there's a chance. Well, there might be. <laughs> in, there might be in Dallas. In Detroit, there is no chance this year. But uh, the Red Wings did put together a two-in-one two week last week. And uh, I want to point out a couple of uh, bright spots, I guess, in the lineup that you can look forward to in the future. Michael Rasmussen had a goal and two helpers. This guy's six foot six, AJ. And, boy, he looks as big as that sounds uh, and uh, is getting a shot at the second-line center position. And uh, I, I think if he can hold his own, that would be a great look there behind Dylan Larkin, giving him a nice-looking one-two punch. Troy Stetcher has been a, a stabilizing force on the back end, not known for offense, but he picked up two goals on the week, too. So he's delivering on exactly what was expected of him. And uh, they got some good news. After, after Bernier returned his first game back, he was thrashed with a seven spot. But uh, looks back in the groove after allowing only four goals against in his last two starts last week, stopping 60 of 64 shots overall. We talked about the deal that they made with Washington that brought in Jacob Vrana as well as a couple of draft picks. He looked good in his Wings debut, lining up at left wing on the top line, uh, while uh, plenty of other veteran players are sidelined here. At least they've got Vrana and, and Rasmussen pointed in the right direction, giving their offense a bit of a, a new look and... Uh, and some hope for the future. Oh, absolutely. And they, they are expected to get Evgeny Svechnikov. Uh, actually, they got him back last night. Uh, so that's obviously a, a, a step in the right direction there. He picked up an assist in the game. Uh, so he'll, he'll fit into a top six role for them as well now that he's got that injury behind him. In Edmonton, a, a slow week for them. They played just one game last week. Um, so we'll take a little bit of a, a longer approach, uh, in my opinion, on, on their week. Mike Smith 
has looked really good in his last four starts, uh, three and one in that stretch. And really, if you eliminate the the five spot that Calgary hung on him, uh, you know, the other games, he gave up one goal, no goals and one goal in the other three in the three wins. So really uh, playing some of his best hockey right now. Uh, and that, again, that makes this a, a really hard team to beat. If they're getting solid netminding, uh, we know the offense is there. We know all the names that, that we can always point to and talk about here. But having good uh, goaltending, uh, you know, it, and it's it's been streaky all year. I think that's going to continue to be the case for Edmonton. Obviously, the concern is that, you know, they're still without Ryan Nugent Hopkins, uh, who, who's missed, a, you know, a couple of games here, uh, four games, in fact, so they need to get him back sooner rather than later. That's going to stretch their depth. But, you know, they have the tools. And in my opinion, you know, you put McDavid and Dreisaitl, uh, you break them up, uh, put them center center. So you still have center depth there. That's that would be my approach. Um, but, you know, they, they have options, but you want him back sooner rather than later for sure. Yeah, I want to take a second to take a look at the goaltending situation a little bit longer. Uh, Mike Smith, you mentioned he has, has had a fine year. And I'll always have a soft spot for him because he won me the first of our dollar bets, as you may recall. <laughs> but uh, Miko Koskinen uh, is the guy that they have in second string. And if you look at the whole body of work, the average is not where Smith's is. But in his last five or six spot starts, he's been right there delivering decent performances. The numbers are very solid. I think they need to spell Smith a little bit more going forward. They're safely in a playoff spot. It's just a matter of keeping Smith fresher than giving him a deluge of starts there's no real need to do that in my opinion particularly with a guy that they're going to rely on in the postseason it looks like they're going to lean on heavily I think you want him to want to back off a little bit on his usage so I wonder if we'll see that going forward in Florida the Panthers are another team that's ahead of the Lightning in that division I can't believe the Lightning are third but you look at the year Carolina and Florida are having and it starts to make sense the Panthers went 2-0-1 last week Anthony Duclair and Frankie Vetrano chipping in with a couple of goals each. Patrick Hornwist with a couple. That tells a story right there. Veteran guys that are leading the way offensively, even though some of the top guns are not producing. Uh, well, Huberto did have a three-point week. Barkov a little quieter, though. And so it's good to see secondary scoring here because for years we've been talking about on this podcast the fact that Florida seemed like a one-line team. Well, they've shed that image this year, and look where they are in the standings. I keep touting Chris Dreger, and I'm, I know Bobrovsky's had a very nice year, but Dreger has only allowed 13 goals against in his last eight starts. So again, like Edmonton, they have a really nice-looking one-two in the Nets going right now, and that's uh, why they're at the top of their the division in, in the hunt for the title there. They also made an, a smart pickup on waivers, grabbing Nikita Gusev. I thought that was a clever move. Uh, New Jersey put him up uh, for, for waivers, and He's been snapped up here and moved right into the right wing spot on the top line with an assist and six shots on goal over a couple of games played while averaging 17 plus minutes. So you see they're giving him a real fair shot to fit in here. And I think he will eventually and continue to do what he did in the KHL and to a lesser extent in his first stop in the NHL with Jersey. And that is be productive as a, as a scoring winger. Sam Bennett is another guy that they brought in recently, and he had an interesting debut, very big physicality with five hits, but two helpers uh, on the the score sheet, 
slotting in as a second line center could be the answer there to uh, supporting their top top unit offensively Brandon Montour also chipped in with a nice debut started with a goal and a plus five over his first two games with his new club so the Panthers a team that got stronger at the deadline and uh, even Marcus Nudevera has, has been a steady influence on the second pairing on the blue line so all things are looking very positive for the Panthers and I think they're primed for a long run in the playoffs Absolutely, Paul. Well, one team that's not primed for a run in the playoffs is the LA Kings. An 0-2 week for them. Look, you, know, you have to talk about the netminding here. Uh, you know, Cal Patterson gets the, the start in their, their first game last week. Losing effort, but okay. You know, outing, not, not terrible. And then they go to Quick in, in the other game. He gives up three goals on eight shots, gets the hook, uh, and Cal Patterson pressed back into action. I, I just... You have to, I think it's safe to assume at this point that Jonathan Quick will 100% be available for Seattle. Uh, whether they want him or not, compared to some of the other options, I don't see a scenario in which the, you know, the, the Kings protect Jonathan Quick. Uh, he doesn't have any sort of clauses on his contract. He doesn't have a no trade, no move, anything like that. Uh, so I, I think they'll put him up uh, on the block there. They'll protect Cal Pedersen and, and whether you know the Kraken want to take him or not remains to be seen but you would get Jonathan Quick uh, I, you know two years at 5.8 million is, is decent it's not over the top you hope that maybe something like that would kind of jump start him but he certainly has not fared well this season uh, and I, I definitely think the Kings will be looking for multiple ways whether it's this uh, or, or possibly a trade uh, to get out from under that contract. Up next, the Minnesota Wild. This team, I thought, would be in the hunt maybe for fourth place, but right now they reside in third in the Western Division after a 3-0 and week, and it's all about the goaltending here. Both players played. Talbot went 2-0, and allowing four goals against uh, Kakinen with two goals against in his lone start. That, by quick math, is a 2.00 goals against average on the week, AJ, and teams are going to win a lot of games if they get that kind of backstopping proficiency. Up front, the, some veterans leading the pack here as well. A healthy Matt Zuccarello, four goals, one assist last week, and Zach Parise, three goals, one assist. Nick Bonino, a guy that you have a lot of time for, even chipped in with six points on the week. Normally a depth option on scoring, but was front and center this, this past seven days. And Marcus Johansson back in the fold and healthy with three assists. And really that's where I want to begin. All four of these names, three of these four names rather, have been having trouble sticking in the lineup and being healthy all year long. But this just goes to show you what they're capable when they have all hands on deck. And that's just the way it's going to go for Minnesota. If they can be healthy, they're going to be big trouble in this division. Victor Rask is somehow still holding on to a top six center role here on the downside, looking like he has in the last couple of years after a decent start. He's been blanked in 12 of his last 13 games, but why is he playing top six minutes? Well, because a guy like Ryan Hartman hasn't been doing much better from his center perch on the number three line and uh, strength down the middle is a plus if you want to go far and this team is lacking in that department maybe the one biggest bugaboo that i see in this lineup right now it's possible they get some reinforcements uh down the middle there with with nick Busad. he's joining the team on their upcoming trip you know he's played a, a decent amount of wing but this is a guy that's a natural center um and could maybe help shuffle the the deck there a little bit and give them some more options, uh, you know, once once he's ready to go. But I, I agree, Paul. The the net mining here has been uh, the story uh, of this team uh, throughout the year, and and I think will continue to be. 
uh, you know, you pointed out that the offense they got in the last week, I, I just, I don't, uh, I don't view that as, as their strength really, uh, right now. And I think how far this team goes will be dependent on camp, uh, camp Talbot more than anything, but also Capo Kakinen. Uh, in Montreal, look, you know, I hate to make this the goalie podcast, Paul, but, you know, we have to talk about the huge news last night. Carey Price picks up an injury uh, in the game uh, last night, a, a 4-1 loss to the Oilers. Uh, appeared to, you know, take a take a puck to, to the head, which is always a concern. Um, and, and, you know, you have to wonder uh, what that looks like. Jake Allen has been really good of late. Uh, he actually started three games uh, in in their last four, had two wins over that stretch with six goals allowed. So certainly it's not all gloom and doom. Um, but, you know, Carey Price is, is one of the best net miners in the league. There's no question about it in my my opinion. And so to, to suggest that going to Jake Allen isn't a, a slight drop, if if not even even a significant drop, uh, would be underselling what Carey Price means to to the team and and you know to to their you know future and fortune. So they're going to need Allen to step up in a big way. They're going to need guys like Thomas Tatar, Tyler Toffoli uh, to really step up offensively as well to kind of mine the gap here. And and hopefully they don't have you know we talked about the fact that Calgary uh, could try and track them down, and and this is the type of injury that could could sideline them for for a number of games potentially. And really see things go, uh, you know, down down the down the proverbial drain right here before the, the the playoffs. Yeah, that injury to Price happened on a hit actually in front of that. Alex Chason was crossing in front of him and got him in the jaw with a, with his shoulder. It looked like uh, at the same time the puck was going in the net, uh, and the, the goal was eventually overturned for goalie interference on a very easy call. But, uh, boy, that blow to the face uh, and the fact that he didn't, didn't come back for the second period gives me the, the thought that they're thinking maybe a concussion here. Nobody said anything yet. But if that's the case, and you're looking at Carey Price possibly missing a week or two, and it comes at a time when they've got that trio of games with Calgary coming up, so uh, it could be a real telltale sign for the fortunes of the Habs. And they got to hope that Jake Allen brings it. And, uh, and uh, I don't think they're going to look for... Uh, uh, help from the depth options of the lineup here in those critical games. Caden Primo was certainly up, but hasn't suited up yet in a game this season. So it's going to be Jake Allen's ball to carry in that critical, critical junction for the Montreal Canadiens. The New Jersey Devils mired, mired in the basement here. We know they shed uh, some key players last week, so it's no surprise that they went 0-4. In fact, now that's six straight losses overall. Mackenzie Blackwood continues to be that carries the mail in the nets. Three game starts for him and uh, in line for the Purple Heart, I guess, with a lot of shots on goal and uh, 10 goals against in that period of time. Not great, but not terrible either. Uh, it's just the offense has been missing. Despite the fact they have a couple of flashy centers in Nico Heischer and Jack Hughes, that duo combined has combined for only three points in the four games last week, and any, any team needs much more than that from their top two guys you know, if they want their fortunes to change. Sharon Govich has been a really neat surprise, AJ, and aren't you glad that I said that name instead of having to put it on your shoulders here? <laughs> With all the multi-syllable foreign names that are in the league, I grabbed that one for you. He got a goal and two assists continue a fine debut season for him. P.K. Subban with a goal and two helpers. 
has surpassed last season's point total of 19 already, but he's playing a much less physical game this year, AJ. I've watched him, and the hits and block shots are, are way down over last season. I just think he's he's playing around the fringe a little bit more than I'm used to seeing from him, not really engaged, and that might be a function of the fact that there's nothing really much to play for in New Jersey in a, a bit of a lost season, but uh, I'm heartened by the fact that at least his offensive game seems to have returned in a, in a small way. Another defenseman to keep an eye on, uh, sorry, uh, winger to keep an eye on i think when i see foot the last name i think of adam foot a long time star in the nhl from the back end but his son nolan picked up an assist in his debut as a left winger on the third line and because of the pedigree i'm keeping an eye on him going forward wingers zaka and brat have been out of the lineup here and that helps the misfortune for the devils account for the misfortune of the devils rather they're both coming off the ir this week on their current road swing so maybe the offense will get a shot in the arm when they get inserted back into the lineup well in nashville they're they're clinging to fourth in the central as we said with with dallas nipping on their heels a one in two weeks certainly not going to help them get where they're going to go uc Saros, the goaltender of record in all three of those games so just the one win with with eight goals allowed um, offensively, they're looking okay. Uh, Roman Yossi leading the way with four points in four games. Victor Arvidsson, two goals and one assist. Mikael Granlund, a goal and two assists. And, you know, Ryan Johansson, no goals, but but three assists uh, in the last week. Here's the concerning part for me. None of those points for anybody came on the power play. They didn't get a single point on the power play last week. Uh, and that's going to be a concern in terms of their long-term outlook here. Um, they did pick up a shorthanded goal, courtesy of Eric Halla, um, but you know that's that's not going to win you any any championships. It'll it'll help, um, but you need to be converting on the power play as well. Um, so some concerns there about about the offense uh, a little bit, mostly you know to to the man advantage side of it, um, and obviously they're going to want. Uh, a little bit better out of Saros. Not not a bad week, but uh, they they need more. And maybe they'll give Pekka Rene a, another game or two here down the stretch to to see if he can rediscover uh, his past form. Well, another team that's looking for more is the Islanders. They only scored two goals over their three games. It's a wonder they actually won one of them in a one nothing shutout. Ilya Sorokin allowed a total of eight goals against over his last five starts, kind of getting both hands on the top goalie job here of late. At least that's a positive development from the defensive side of the puck. They have made a number of additions, and so that causes a few switch-ups here in the in the way they line up. Travis Zajac line, uh, took over the center role on the first line, which I found a little bit surprising. But that move is designed to bolster light, left-wing scoring, which been, has been a black hole here. They've entrusted Marty, uh, Brett Barzal to, to take that load, and... Uh, so he he is a noted goal scorer, of course, and point getter. So that that makes that that left side look a lot better right away. But Barzal's been a center here the whole time he's been with the club. I, I'm surprised at this move. AJ just shows how desperate they are for the wing position. Kyle Palmieri certainly fills in the right wing role uh, with a little more optimism on the right wing, uh, lining up on the second line here too. So that new look is filtering through the lineup, and uh, we'll see if it materializes in more offense that's needed here. As expected, Braden Coburn slid into a third line pairing in his New York Islander debut, and that solidifies the back end, but that's been the backbone of this team for years. They're hoping also to get a boost on the left wing uh, as Michael Dalcoli is back from IR. He's bounced in and out of the lineup, though. I don't know that he's the answer, but to keep an eye on him in his left wing role in the third line for now. 
Well, I think what you're seeing is the fact that they're still trying to figure out how best to replace Anders Lee and, and yeah. what sort of combination there. And then also, how do you fit in Zajac and Palmieri? Look, that's that's a lot of change um, for a team to go through, you know, in, in a short period of time there. You lose one of your, you know, your top line guys. You add two guys that, uh, you know, rightfully so, you, you want to try and fit into the top six. So, um, yeah, there's going to be a lot of shuffling here, and, and they need to figure it out sooner rather than later. I don't think they really have to worry about the safety of, of their playoff spot at, at, at this point, but anything can happen with, you know, 10, 12 games uh, remaining. So uh, they're going to want to hope to get that all short up sooner rather than later. And one of the reasons why is their cross-town rivals. The, the New York Rangers had a really good week last week, four wins, uh, Shesterkin played in, in three of those games, picked up three wins with just three goals allowed uh, in, a, in a pair of shutouts. So the, the Rangers are not going away. And boy, have they gotten some offense out of their top guys. Uh, Panarin, four goals, six helpers. Buchnevich, four goals, one helper. Chris Kreider, two goals. Uh, the list goes on and on. Zabinijad had, had a number of points. Fox continues to roll with the assists uh, from the back end. And so the, this team is an, another team that's not going to go away. They're making a late push here uh, to, to see if they can challenge, you know, Boston, Pittsburgh, the Islanders, uh, you know, and, and see if they can put themselves in the mix. I, I think they're probably going to need to be just about this perfect to do it. Um, but you can't sleep on, on this team. That's, that is for sure. And Ottawa Senators continue to be a tough out in the North Division. They're they're being a factor in this playoff race. Even last night, they dealt Calgary a crippling 4-2 loss at a time when they were hoping to gain a little ground on the Canadians, and they took a misstep there. The Senators, 2-1 last week, 1-0 so far this week, rolling along. And one of the guys that's really leading the parade is Connor Brown, former Toronto Maple Leaf player. He had an eight-game consecutive goal-scoring streak snapped last week, but he got a pair last night. I have plenty of time for this guy. He delivers an honest effort, and a guy that Patrick Marlowe, Patrick Marlowe like uh, so far this season, uh, shows up every night and chipping in with regular offense for the Senators and uh, one of their team leaders for sure. Uh, Brady Tuchuk continues a fine season. He is also a, a capable leader, a very young guy, future captain, in fact, I think here. I don't think there's any doubt. Two goals and two helpers for him. Greg Batherson continues to show that he's a lights-out offensive score, scoring machine. Two goals and one assist, continuing a fine season for him. Thomas Shabbat, a minute-eater on the back end, and if you can sna- snag him in DFS play and plug him into your lineup, he plays almost half the games night in, night out. He picked up four assists last week. The offense seems to be rolling along very effectively. This is a team that's relentless in their puck pursuit and uh, creates a number of scoring chances and a number of them materialized last week. They are also uh, gaining their, from their structure uh, with the return of Mar- Matt Murray in the Nets back from the IR. He had a shutout over Montreal and a, a three spot against Winnipeg and then receded for the win last night, I think, too. So uh, starting a real hot streak in the Nets for him after returning from that injury uh, list situation. Even Josh Norris, one goal and four assists, now has eight points in his last seven games played. So that's a thumbnail on some uh, young offensive players in Ottawa that are really striking it rich right now and uh, could be some cheap DFS value plays. In Philadelphia, things took a, a turn for the worse in, in terms of the goaltending. You had Carter Hart 
play a, a really a solid game against the Penguins on, on April 15th. Gave up just one goal, and honestly a pretty bad goal, um, but was solid the rest of the game. Picked up a, a win in the, the shootout there. And then just before puck drop against Washington, it, it comes out that uh, he's dealing with a lower body injury. So they turn things over to, to Alex Lyon, uh, you know, last minute, uh, who, who did not fare well, gave up five goals on 40 shots. Brian Elliott uh, in the last week has played in two games, a, a loss and an overtime loss for a sub 900 save percentage for him as well. Um, so, you know, you finally, it's like, oh, Carter Hart has this, you know, gives up this bad goal, bounces back, has a really good game against, you know, in-state rivals. Like maybe this is the momentum change that he needs to finish out strong on the year. Um, and then he's, you know, he's hurt and not available. And it's, it's just a, you know, kind of a kick him when you're down situation for, for the flyers here. And look, I, I just don't know how this team can even hope to, to get back in the mix, uh, in terms of the playoffs by yes, they've got 12 games remaining, but they're, they're nine points back of Boston. The Rangers are ahead of them in, in the standings. It would take a, a pretty Herculean effort here. Um, from everybody throughout the lineup, I think, for, for the Flyers to return to being a, a playoff contender in this division. And look, if this is what it takes for the Flyers to be on the bottom of the division, Paul, I will predict they win the East every single year moving forward. Because, uh, well, I guess it will go back to be the Metropolitan. But, uh, I, you know, the one time I trust the Flyers to, to win the division – they just completely come out and tank, and I'm okay with that. Well, you know what? They fooled both of us this year, and they fooled a lot of the pundits around the league who thought they'd be a contending team for the top of this division. They look like an also-ran, and it's because of the goaltending that they really are in trouble. It's the goaltending that has been a surprise for Pittsburgh, but on the flip side, the Pens can point to two youngsters who have really carried the mail with uh, great efficiency in the nets and we're starting to see a bit of separation I mean Jari has played the most games by far on the season but the Smith's numbers have been better than his for the most part of late that's flipped though in his last four starts Casey DeSmith has allowed a whopping 17 goals against and uh, that's why Jari's getting even more of the starts recently he's only allowed seven in his last four starts so uh, the tandem has been solid for much of the season but only one of the guys is going right now and I, I will be putting him in the nets for my my DFS team as we look ahead to the segment coming up at the end of the show for FanDuel and DraftKings players. Brian Rust remains a sneaky good DFS value play for me too. AJ playing around the right wing with Sidney Crosby certainly helps. He's got a boatload of points in his last five games played, looking really good there. And he's been a, a solid partner for Crosby whenever they've been together. I'm glad to see he's getting a nice long run again beside the captain in that role. Jeff Carter picked up an assist in his debut playing second line center. Of course, Malkin is still out and he's just started to skate on his own. So his return is not imminent. Maybe you can shed some light on that. But Jared McCann, another option who they've plugged in at center has been shifted to the left side on that uh, second line. He had two more points last week and really continues to be a solid utility player for the Pens and another cheap DFS value play when the Penguins line it up. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, Brian Rust has really transitioned from um, you know more of a, a kind of a, a gritty plugger, uh, you know, speedster kind of penalty kill guy. Um, that that was great to have in in a toxic role. And just the last like two, maybe even if you want to call it three seasons has developed a, a scoring touch, which, you know, was not there for the early part of it, his game. 
And it's why he's, you know, he makes, uh, you know, pretty modest amount of money compared to some of the rest of the, the you know, top players in the league in, in terms of goals, uh, production, uh, quick math here. I think it's about 3.5 on, on his contract. And so that's really been a boon for the Penguins the, the last number of years, um, you know, and obviously everything in terms of line combinations will change. We're probably still at least another, uh, call it, you know, another week away, maybe a couple games away from Casper Kapanen getting back into the lineup. They, on April 12th, they said 10 to 10 to 14 days. So, uh, for now you're looking at McCann, uh, new man, Jeff Carter and Jason Zucker on that second line. But obviously that's, that's going to change up here when we get, uh, you know, when we get some more healthy guys back, hopefully, uh, more healthy returns and injury returns. And then, and then obviously Malkin, will change things up significantly. But I like what I'm seeing out of the partnership of McCann and Carter to the point where, I, you know, I, I think the the best plan might be to keep those two guys together on a third line. Um, in San Jose, we obviously talked about the big news last night with uh, Patrick Marlowe. That's about the only bright spot for this team right now. They went 0-4 last week, five straight lattices. You know, we talked, we said good things about Marty Jones, Paul. And then it went off the rails when three games with 12 goals allowed over that stretch. So, uh, you know, had had a, a decent outing last night, all things considered, despite coming up with the loss, you know, faced a ton of rubber. So he only gave up two goals on, on 40 shot attempts. So that's a pretty good performance by him. Um, but, you know, the, the thing is, we're going to see a lot more of Marty Jones here down the stretch just because they did opt to trade away Devin Dubnik, uh, you know, maybe we see a little bit uh, of some of their other, you know, young guys that are, are minding the gap here, but I expect it'll be pretty much Marty Jones every single night. And, and I think last week is more what we've come to expect out of the, out of Marty Jones of late. Uh, another guy that, you know, they don't really have uh, too many other options. So I, I don't know that they'll want to do this, but they could certainly consider trying to uh to leave marty jones open in terms of the 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 expansion draft although you certainly have to consider he has a a modified no trade clause so i don't know if that i don't know all the details on that one paul that might not come into play if it's not a no movement clause so it is possible they could expose him uh based on on what i'm seeing here aj in the western division we'll continue with the theme uh of uh looking at the playoff structure a little bit, standings a little bit, uh, St. Louis outside looking in. I wouldn't have picked that at the beginning of the season. I don't think either one of us did, in fact. They went 0-2 last week. Mike Hoffman has been a guy that's had trouble fitting in here. Two goals and two helpers, though. Last week he was uh, trying to stem the flow of, of this downturn on the week, but didn't have much help. Since coming off the IR, Sammy Blay is one guy who's been getting top six minutes here to kind of turn things around. He has five points and five games played on the left wing in that situation. Tyler Bozak, another guy who has been in the infirmary much of the season, is on a nice streak himself with six points in his last six games played and properly slotted, in my opinion, as the third-line center here. Colton Pareko is another guy who's six games into his return for the D-pairing uh, on the second uh, unit there. Picked up his first point, though. Uh, they're looking for more offense from him. In fact, they've got a couple other defensemen that are paying a lot more money there, too, that aren't really delivering offensively like we thought they would either. We've talked about them ad nauseum all season long. Tory Krug is one of those guys. Uh, I thought that he would fit in in a much bigger way than he has. Uh, certainly, the plus-minus is decent, 
but uh, and the assists are there, but not much in terms of goal scoring. Same, Justin Falk, uh, his partner there. I think that's too many offensive eggs in one basket. I'd like to see them spread that offensive talent and maybe shield them with uh, good defensive uh, counterparts in those pairings. Maybe that's the solution. In behind them, Jordan Bennington's been up and down all season, and he was down last week, allowing seven goals against over his two starts. Uh, they also are hurt by the fact that Vince Dunn is listed as day-to-day after blocking a shot on Saturday, and they got to hope that that's not a serious uh, injury situation that would hurt their blue line again. Absolutely, and the, the thing with you know uh, that injury is it, it you know maybe you figure Dunn not a huge you know not a huge contributor, but any any kind of injury is really going to stretch their depth. Uh, they have three games in hand on Arizona, so they are certainly not out of it. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I, I took a look, Paul. We both had uh, the Blues slotted comfortably into third uh, in this division, uh, and they're definitely not going to finish third. Now they still have a chance at at the four spot, but uh, the the top of this division, I think, is just in a class of its own. And I I would anticipate, obviously, they have to play the games. Playoff hockey is a different. Uh, different animal, but I would anticipate regardless of whether it's Arizona, St. Louis, or even San Jose, uh, this fourth team probably going to be bounced pretty quickly by Vegas or Colorado uh, from from the playoffs. One team that won't be bounced quickly from the playoffs is the Tampa Bay Lightning. Now, the one exception would be if something happens to Andre Vasilevsky because, man, has Curtis McElhinney been terrible of late. <laughs> Um, he gave up seven goals in his most recent outings. If you used him on DraftKings, that accounted to a, a minus 14 uh, point production for you. If you used him on FanDuel, it was even worse at minus 16. So uh, they're certainly uh, going to need to ride Andre Vasilevsky, which we said at the start of the season was something that they were going to do. Um, you know, we anticipated Va- Vasilevsky would be right up there at the top in terms of, you know, games played at the end of the season. And I, and I anticipate that will continue to be the, the case. Obviously the injury to Steven Stamkos uh, is, is a pretty significant one. You know, it, it's one of those things that sounded, uh, you know, Paul, I know you talk about uh, your, you know, you kind of hate the, the lack of information. Well, it starts with, if you look at Rotowire and look at the news, you talk about, Oh, Stamkos left the game in the third period uh, then he was going to be out for one game and doubtful for the next. Didn't play in the game. He was doubtful. Uh, then they did rule him out for two games. And then suddenly he's he's put on long-term injured reserve. Now, they went retroactive with that. That gives them a little bit of coverage. They can use some, some of those games that were already missed. But it really went from, you know, nothing injury, even with retroactive He's missed five. Uh, he'll have to miss at least five more um, because of the long-term IR designation. And now they're expecting him to only resume skating in seven to 10 days. So, um, you know, I really think uh, that that's a, a concern for them. John Cooper said he's, quote, extremely optimistic. Sam Coates will be ready when, when he's eligible to come off IR May 2nd. But now you're looking at a team that, you know, they're going to be fine in terms of a playoff. But, what does it do to the you know chemistry and line combinations and everything when suddenly just before the playoffs you're going to add back Stamkos and potentially uh, Nikita Kucherov once the playoffs start? Um, that's going to shuffle things up in a way that might be a little uncomfortable 
Um, I, you know, I think they'll get through it, but um, you would like to see those hiccups, you know, potential hiccups happen during the regular season than in a first round playoff series. And AJ, uh, we haven't had a mini rant in this episode, but I'm going to give you one now. Leafs were 0 2 and 2 last week, and uh, the darling of the media, Jack Campbell, was winless in three starts and nine goals against. And, uh, you know, trooper that he is, the guy takes all these losses on himself, blames himself entirely. I'm, I'm getting a little tired of that act uh, a little bit, but one guy who has been maligned in the media uh, kind of quietly, but consistently all year long is John Tavares and it's largely to do with the 11 million plus contract that he he his cap hit but he's delivered the goods as not only as a team leader here but as a guy who lines up every night against the other team's top lines produces offensively despite a revolving door of players on both wings it seems and the last week was a signature week for him he had seven points to lead this offense and has been really on fire offensively for quite a while now despite all the changes around him Austin Matthews continues to hum along with two more goals, giving him a lead leading 33. I think he's safe at home and cooled out in terms of the Rocket Richard trophy, but I think he also has a shot to, to go over 40, and I wouldn't have predicted that for any shooter this season. The trouble spot, though, is Zach Hyman. He had three points last week before he was the victim of a bad hit on Sunday night and a knee-on-knee collision with Canucks Alex Edler, who was subsequently suspended for two games. The power play has been in an awful funk here, something like two for their last 50. And one of those goals came on in the later stages of a five-minute power play on the weekend against a Canucks team that was playing their first game in three weeks. So really, they had to reach the bottom of the barrel here to, to get a modicum of, of success with the extra man. I'm shocked with their inability with the talent base here. That talent base gets a shot in the arm, though, this week as Nick Foligno will make his debut later on in a couple of key tilts against Winnipeg. Couldn't come at a better time for him and hoping to fill the absence of Hyman, who is expected to miss a couple of weeks going forward. Other news from the infirmary is Freddie Anderson is working out on his own amid a shroud shroud of secrecy. There's no time frame for his return. I don't expect to be much before the playoffs, but I wonder, can they really trust a guy to go into game one of the playoffs without playing a game in the regular season. I'm curious to see how they navigate that situation. And they're also giving youngster Nick Robertson a shot uh, to play in a scoring line winger role. I like this aspect. Uh, Normally you see a a scoring type youngster, they call him up and they say, okay, we'll give you fourth line minutes, play seven minutes. You don't get anything for that. Why don't we put a guy in a real scoring opportunity if that's what he is and see what he can do? So far, he hasn't lit the lamp, but he hasn't looked out of place. And I think he's getting a real fair shot to show his skills, and I'm happy to see it. Well, Paul, I, I'm going to do you a favor and, and just tell you, don't watch tonight's game. Just save yourself the hassle. <laughs> I mean, look, it, you said, you know, you've got, you've got Anderson is out for sure. Zach Hyman is out. Nick Foligno is not set to meet with the team, meet up with the team until tomorrow. Uh, Willie Nylander can't play because he missed a team meeting. So clearly he didn't learn enough from Joe, uh, from Patrick Marlowe while he was here in, in Toronto. And then Ilya Mikheyev is uh, questionable for tonight's game as well. So uh, it's going to be a little thin in terms of the forward compliment, in my opinion. Yes, you still have Matthews and Tavares and Marner. Um, but if I were you, Paul, I would save yourself the hassle. Don't watch tonight's game. Wait till these guys are back and available and you can have a full lineup. And, and boy, wouldn't it be nice to have Jimmy VC or Travis Boyd available right now, which, you know, that's, that's not a knock on the Leafs. That's, that's more Vancouver taking advantage of the situation. But for a team that had depth as one of its biggest strengths, especially in the forward complement, 
losing those two guys on on the waiver wire is certainly hurting at this point because I, I think you would love to have them uh, available to to help out tonight. That's for sure. Uh, in Vancouver, speaking of them, uh, they only played the one game last week, but they got a win in that effort, and, and we got to see some Braden Holpe, uh, a much uh, uh, very infrequent uh, usage of, of Braden Holpe this season. Uh, has played uh, you know a total of just 13 games. Look, he hasn't played that few games since 2011-12 season when he saw action in a mere seven contest. It was the year afterwards in which he kind of took over as the, the main choice uh, for for the, the Capitals at the time. So, um, you know, obviously that has to do with the fact that Thatcher Demko uh, is is still recovering from having been on, on the NHL's COVID protocol list. Um, they want him to get a few more practices to, to get back to, to 100% and available. But, um, you know, obviously given the, the extended layoff there, uh, a win is is an incredible uh, thing by by Vancouver in that one, and and they've talked about the team not feeling ready or, or prepared um, for for those contests. So good, you know, good on them for powering through and 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 making it through Sunday's game. Up next, we talk about the Vegas Knights. Uh, they went two and uh, they went four and zero last week. They're the hottest team in the league right now, AJ, with six straight wins wins and. Uh, I, I won my DFS value play last week uh, with their involvement. I also won another one later in the week with their involvement, too, in a, a couple of double stacks that I did. So I'm on a hot streak there. Can't wait to get into tonight's action as well. But we'll talk a little bit more about the night's success, and it's uh, reliant on not only the top guys going offensively, but, but depth guys and guys that aren't normally counted on for offense. Alex Tuck, very useful player here, though, a guy that is underrated only in other locales, but the local fans of the club know how valuable he is to this team, largely in a third-line role, three goals and one helper hit for him. We mentioned the big boys combining for 15 points. That's Stone and Pacioretty with eight and seven, respectively. Nicholas Roy with three goals and one helper. Chandler Stevenson, a guy that I didn't know if he was going to be up to a top-six role, but lo and behold, a two-and-two week last week is just symptomatic of what he's done much of the season, contributing regular offense and still a very cheap value play in DFS, which I don't understand, quite frankly. As long as he plays with Stone and Pacioretty, he's going to be in on the action when this team is rolling, as they are right now. Alex Pietrangelo, two goals and uh, looking after the defensive responsibilities, along with Shea Theodore, four assists for him, and Alex Martinez, three assists. So clearly, everything is rolling offensively for this team. And then, I'm going to mention before you do, Marc-Andre Fleury reached the 20-win mark once again, his numbers on the season outstanding. He's in line for the Vezina Trophy conversation with a 2.09 goals against and a 9.25 safe percentage. My co-host is smiling broadly as I say that. Along with Robin Leonard, this is still the best net pairing in the league as we forecast. And uh, I mentioned Chandler Stevenson. To show how well he's gone, he got... Uh, to his last year's point total in 26 fewer games this year, I say he's still undervalued as a DFS player, but not in the Paul Bruno books when he starts. When I make my picks for DFS play, uh, Riley Smith listed as day to day after an injury on the weekend. We'll keep an eye on that situation, and uh, they may have to adjust their roster a little bit if it's a longer term situation. Well, Paul, you didn't totally steal my thunder. I, I, when you started talking about Flurry, I, I thought you were going to mention the fact that he's now moved into fourth overall on the all-time career uh, wins list, getting past uh, Ed Belfour there. 
Um, needs just three more to tie Roberto Luongo. So I would anticipate, uh, you know, they are splitting the crease. So, so maybe not, but I would, I would imagine that he'll get past uh, Luongo before the end of the season here. And it was interesting to hear um, afterwards. I, I was not aware of this, um, but now with Flurry moving into fourth overall, all four of the top uh, most winningest goalies of NH- in NHL history are all from Quebec. Uh, so not sure what they're, they're putting in the water there uh, in, in Quebec, but uh, obviously they have turned out some of the best goaltenders of all time. In Washington, speaking of some of the, you know, one of the best players of all time and Alexander Ovechkin had a, a good week last week. That despite the team going two and two, Ovechkin had three goals and two assists, but he wasn't the biggest offensive uh, story coming out of, of uh, the U.S. Capitol there. That was Anthony Mantha, who burst onto the scene with four goals and one assist. Uh, you know, there there maybe were some people, I, I hadn't heard any, but maybe some people were questioning that decision to, to give up as much as they did. But Mantha certainly proved them right, um, coming on really strong, including uh, a pair of power play points as well. And John Carlson with a, another phenomenal week. No goals, but that's not really what you're asking from him. Seven helpers uh, in those four games. So, you know, you look at these offensive numbers, it's a little surprising that they went two and two. Um, you know, Orlov, Oshie, uh, Connor Sherry, all with four points across the board. Sherry actually got a new contract uh, last week, an, an extension with them for another two years at, at $3 million overall. So that's a pretty uh, cost, you know, $1.5 million a year is pretty cost-controlled for, for a guy that you can use, uh, you know, a top-nine role for them. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's a big week, a little surprising uh, on the overall win column there based on the offensive production. Yeah, and you didn't even talk at length about the one-two punch at center, which for my money is one of the best in the league, if not the best and most consistent. You got Nick Backstrom, who's, who in his career has been a point-per-game center, whether or not he gets Ovechkin on his wing, and right now he does. So keep an eye on that because uh, he and Kuznetsov have, have flipped that responsibility, that lucky responsibility. Actually, it looks like we've made the switch that Kuznetsov is now paired with Ovechkin so that's how quickly it it moves up and down with those two guys but fear not Nick Backstrom has, has got the hot Anthony Mantha on his wing too so that's a pretty good looking second line with OG TJ Oshie who's been on fire on the right wing there, there. so uh, the two centers though I find they come in cheap in, in DFS play cheaper than what I would normally value them at given their rate of production and finally we take a look at the Winnipeg Jets they are on, on the basis of a two and two week last week, still in second place, but they have a couple of key games against division leaders from Toronto later this week as they wait for Toronto to come to town. Leafs have one one game before they get there uh, on the second of back to backs tomorrow. They'll face face Winnipeg, but tonight they got a tilt against uh, the, another division rival. That is a key game for them before they move on to to the Manitoba capital. And uh, in in Winnipeg, Connor Hellebuck though. Not at the top of his game right now for my money, AJ. In the three starts last week, nine goals against the save percentage below 90%. So I'm happy to see that as a Leaf fan, as a Leaf roll in. He's not at the top of his game because when he is, he's the best goalie in the league. The the fact of the matter is this team has really benefited from outstanding seasons from a pair of wingers that uh, are not guys that you think about first when you think about the, the Jets. You think about Shifley and Blake Wheeler, but 
Nikolai Ehlers has been amazing all season long and one of the league's leading goal scorers, chipped in with three goals and one assist. Kyle Connor, another one of the top scoring wingers in the league, three goals and one assist. These guys are critical to the structure of the Winnipeg offense and they don't get the, their due because of the likes of, of Shifley and Wheeler and even Pierre-Luc Dubois, who has started to fit in and chip in offensively, had three assists last week. Neil Pionk uh, has uh, snapped out of a scoring funk with three points as well. Uh, Wheeler, in fact, is finally cleared to play following a concussion. He'll suit up on Thursday against the Maple Leafs. They'll welcome their captain back there for sure. That will drop Andrew Kopp down to a third-line role. He had chipped in effectively in a scoring role situation, but uh, they're so deep that they can afford to drop him back to a third-line situation. So uh, it looks very promising for Winnipeg to have a very good playoff this year, but they're going to need Hellebuck to bounce back from where he is right now, AJ. Yeah, I'll just highlight the point you made about about the two wingers there in, in Ehlers and Connor. There, there are 12 players right now that have reached the 20 goal mark, um, and they're the two guys from Winnipeg. So to your point, it, it's not Shifley or Wheeler that, that has reached that threshold. Um, but yeah, um, obviously uh, good years by them. And addition, you know, addition to the team by just getting Wheeler back, uh, that that will make them that much better. And and hopefully uh, they can, you know, start rolling and and get Hellybuck back up to form if if they're really going to challenge that, you know, in that Canadian division come playoff time. AJ, it's time we swing into our DFS play uh, this week. And I'm going to remind listeners, I'm red hot again. I've been on several streaks this season, had my best year in DFS play. And I'm optimistic that I've got another good lineup here. And I'm sure you've got a solid one in your DraftKings setup. I'm, I'm anxious to hear it. So why don't you share it with our listeners right now, pal? Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, you know, we're, we're not doing the, the video anymore, but if we were, uh, users would be able to see me decked to the nines in Penguins gear right now. I've got my gold Sidney Crosby jersey on, the, the 2017 championship hat as well. Uh, and that uh, has to do with the fact that the Penguins are playing New Jersey tonight. And so I'm going to go heavy on Pittsburgh. I'm going to do uh, kind of a one-two from each of their top two lines. So I'll do Sidney Crosby at 8,200. Pair him up with Jake Gensel at 7,400. Uh, certainly, uh, you know, if you don't want to pay that much, I, I would say uh, flipping Gensel out for, for Brian Russ would save you some money and is certainly a, a decent option as well. So something to consider. I'm going to stick with Gensel for now. He is one of those guys that's on, uh, you know, the 20-goal list for the season. Um, so I'm going to go with Gensel, but an argument could absolutely be made for rust in that spot. The other one, two is, uh, I talked about this earlier, Jeff Carter, 5,100, Jared McCann, 5,600 on, on DraftKings. So I'm going to use those two guys, um, that should round out, you know, most of those guys should get some power play opportunities. McCann's been really good on the number one power play unit. Carter slots in with the second unit there. I've obviously spent up big, so I needed to find some value. And I looked specifically uh, to the to the Tampa Bay Lightning for, for those value guys. Tyler Johnson has had a really up and down year. And so because of that, his salary, just 2600 tonight. And, uh, you know, he was playing bottom six role. They moved him back into a top six spot last night. He picked up an assist. And I, so I think that's hopefully a sign of, of things to come. And then I'm also going to use Blake Coleman. He comes at 3300 He's on that third line with them. Uh, a little bit of a, you know, maybe a long shot in terms of, of getting some production out of out of Coleman. But, um, you know, two assists in his last three games. He is kind of stuck in a, a five-game goal drought. But 
um, you know, has shown some signs of life, uh, some shots on goal as well in, in his couple of games. So I, th- I think there's some good value to be had out of those two Lightning players. They've got um, a tough matchup with Carolina. There's no doubt about it. But I think uh, that's just going to lower their drafted percentage and, and makes them a more intriguing option in, in GPP contests. Uh, on the defensive front, look, I'm going to go name and matchup over recent production. And I'm going to go with Miro Heiskanen. Uh, 5,500 coming in for them tonight. I understand that the numbers have definitely been down for him this year, but uh, the fact that, you know, that's going to serve to lower his value. He's got three points in his last three games and, and just a juicy matchup with Detroit. And I think this is a good opportunity, good time to use him, even with the kind of lower production from what you would expect out of him. His power play minutes have, have stayed really high um and i think you know there is still enough time for him to maybe push for that that 30 point threshold uh it'll it'll be tough but i think he could potentially get there with with a bit of a strong run and then on the other side i'm going to go with keith yandel for florida they've got a good matchup again tonight with columbus uh 3900 for him a, a cheap option and they need somebody to step up and, you know, once, uh, you know, from the blue line and, and chip in there, um, you know, based on, on the injury to Aaron Eckblad and, and Mackenzie Weger is banged up as well. And so I think Keith Yandel, certainly a good uh, potential opportunity there in the nets. Look, you got to look at the matchup and, and Paul, you alluded to it for your lineup earlier. I'm going with it as well. Tristan Jari tonight for the Penguins going up against the New Jersey Devils. He's been really good of late has a great matchup tonight they're at home the penguins have been phenomenal at home um so that that obviously bodes well for them well we have some commonality in our lineups i find not a lot but i've got the same two penguins in there just so you know i'll get to them in a sec but uh i'm gonna i'm gonna sound like a homer tonight i'm betting on the leafs big line to come up big for them i told you not to do it paul i told you not to even watch the game tonight i'm bucking that trend and i'm gonna not take your advice so i might i might eat these words but austin matthews is money aj this year regardless of how the team is going at least he's going strong i mentioned their borabund power play had only two goals in the past month well he has both of them and uh and i think he's in line for a big night against a, a vancouver team that's still they're missing a lot of key players. It was all heart and soul that first game back, but a lot of pundits have said that was that maybe a dead cat bounce here, and uh, and you wonder if they can do it twice in a row. I'm certainly not betting on it. So I got Matthews in there. I got Marner in there as well. Both of these guys, game in, game out, perform. And I'm able to offset their big money by the fact that their, their winger, uh, Alex Galchenyuk, still priced at only 3800 bucks. He's going to have a chance to get a couple of points just by being on the ice with these guys, game in, game out. Can't believe the price tag is so low. And I bet he bulges the twine tonight. That'll be my, my prop bet tonight. Alex Galchenyuk will score a goal. In, uh, and another thing that I'm going to look at is the schedule, the time of the games. I like to have a hope going into the later games, AJ. So that's why I look at the Anaheim LA game and I think this is a time where I've got to try and get a couple of guys from LA into my lineup and retain that hope to to pull off a late win if I'm trailing and I I throw in as my second center Anze Kopitar who's had an outstanding season averaging almost 14 and a half points per game in DFS play priced at $7,100 I think that's low for what he gives them game in game out and Alex Iafalo who recently signed a a long-term deal here uh, has proven to be uh, the real deal as an offensive uh, offensively capable winger on that top line his production's been a bit, little bit spotty of late but i pre- predict a big night for him and 
only cost me $4,400. So that's the bulk of my offense. I agree with you on the Keith Yandel pick uh, because of the matchup here against Columbus. They're a team in complete disarray, as we mentioned with the coaching uh, fight, the fights that Tortorella is picking with some of the better players on his team. And uh, that can't bode well for their fortunes, a team that is on the outside looking in while the Panthers are at the top of the division. And you said it, they have no other offensive, uh, offensively capable blue liner other than Yandel. And I think he gets the lion's share of all the, the responsibilities in offensive situations and power play uh, situations here tonight. And I think he can't, takes advantage. Jacob Slavin gets a tough matchup against Tampa, but I think the Canes are, uh, have been the equal of the, the Bolts all season long. And, and Slavin has had a nice year offensively. So I'm plugging him in for a cheap value at $3,900. That's a total of $8,000 spent on two first-pairing defensemen that I see in tonight's lineup. And I love your call on Jake Gensel tonight, AJ. I think New Jersey Devils are way in over their heads tonight, and this is one of the reasons why. And I think I slide him into my lineup for $7,400, and I look for him to pad his 20-plus goal season stats. And in net, the easy pick for me is Tristan Jari for $8,100. I said he's playing very well of late, but leads me to a question for you. I want clarification because you went through your lineup a little quicker than I was able to write them down. How many Penguins have you got in your lineup tonight? So DraftKings allows you to use four players uh, plus the goaltender. I see. So okay. got the goalie right. and, and then a uh, four-pack four, four pack of uh, Crosby, Gensel, Carter, and McCann. All right. So that accounts because on DraftKings, you have a maximum of four players that you know, and I wanted to remind our listeners, just wanted to make that point, AJ. And uh, with that, we look forward to the game action tonight. And uh, as the season winds down, uh, the playoff races are heating up, and that's always a fun time of year partner i know you and i will be glued to our sets almost every night this week with action to that will impact on those division races any final thoughts for you well i decided to to look it up for you paul just so that uh you know we could we could take a look alex galchenyuk uh over at our friends uh bet mgm will get you plus 200 as an anytime goal scorer tonight so you can get some pretty good value there uh, if you want to, you know, if you're in a state that allows betting uh, or I don't I don't know the status up in Canada there. But for our listeners, if, if uh, in the U.S., if you're in a state that allows betting, you can get Alex Galchenyuk plus 200 tonight as Paul calls a goal for the uh, for <laughs> for the winger. All right. Well, single game prop bets are allowed now in Canada. A recent bill was passed. So some some gambling updates for for our listeners as well to keep you up to date on the legalities in your provinces or states. They're ever changing, but it's looking more and more like the landscape is changing in toward a favorable uh, situation for for people who like to throw down the odd dollar or two. And uh, that's uh, where we'll wrap it up this week. Our look around the league, more routine than our trade deadline special last week. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to Podcast with Statsman and AJ Folks, Roaded Wire's signature fantasy hockey podcast. Please remember to send your comments or questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22. And you can follow AJ at AJScholes24. As always, we invite you to listen into Podcast to get our tips to stay out of the competition in your fantasy hockey planning and research. So long, everybody. 